as we prepare for the new year, the thing that for the last two months, the thing that's been on my mind has just been two words. Today matters. Really felt like that's what I was supposed to share here at the beginning of the year. It's actually the title of a book I've read for probably the last five years around this time of the year by John Maxwell called Today Matters. And what Today Matters in the book is all about is simply this, is that our life will never change until we change something we do every day. A lot of times here at the first of the year, we have these big dreams and aspirations, and I think that's wonderful. But many times they go unfulfilled simply because, not out of a lack of desire, but out of a lack of prioritizing um, and focusing on what really matters and what's important in our lives. And so I, I, just, I just really wanted to share this at the first of the year, Today Matters. I want that to be a mantra as we're praying to realize that today is so important. You know, every, I, I have these uh, wristbands for you to, as you leave today. Um, it just simply says, today matters on it. Because every day, I want that to be what goes through our mind. Today matters. Because I think we have an incredible tendency to, to, to over-exaggerate yesterday. In our mind, what happened in our past sometimes can seem so big, so huge. Many times we think negatively. We'll never get over what our past was. Or we're defined by our past. Or maybe our past, we thought it was so good, it'll never be that good again. And I think we miss out on the power of today whenever we're focused on yesterday. And the same with tomorrow. Many times we overestimate tomorrow. We think, well, I'll get to it tomorrow. It'll happen tomorrow. And even Jesus says, as we're going to study in just a a moment, that tomorrow is not something that you're supposed to live your life based on. But you're supposed to live today, realizing that today matters, that this moment matters. Not what's going to happen after the service, not what's going to happen tomorrow morning, not what's going to happen next week, but what's going to happen today. And I want that to really be the focus of what we're talking about and what we're looking at. Uh, whenever I was a kid, I, I think, and one of the things I loved to do was, was, uh, was have books, read books around uh, bedtime. And my kids are the same way. We have two boys, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and they love reading books every night. I don't know if it's because they're scholars or it's because they know they can stay up later if we're reading them books. Probably the latter. But as a kid, I used to love reading this story uh, called Alexander in the terrible, horrible, and in the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days. Anybody ever seen that before? I think they made it into a a movie recently. I, I brought the first page of that book here. It says, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped, over, I tripped on the skateboard, and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running. And I could tell that it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. <laughs> How many's ever had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day? Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully it's not today for you. But what we're going to be looking at is what, would it, what does it look like to even have a good day? What is a good day? Is that just a day where you're, what, you're healthy? Is it just a day where you get some stuff done? What is a good day? And I want to submit that I think a good day is a, life, is a day lived on purpose, realizing that it matters and doing things that are priorities in life, that God, the, the things that God desires for us to do. So every, every Sunday during this series, I want to give you something for you to do just for today. Not focusing on doing it 10 years from now, or, but, but if you could, in your mind, say, just for today, this is what we're going to do. And then you wake up tomorrow and say, just for today, like this is going to be my aim today, this is what we're going to do. So here's, here's the just for today for today. 
And I think it's the first. I think it needs to be where we start. Just for today, I will seek God. Just for today, I'll seek God. Not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about yesterday. Maybe yesterday you didn't seek God at all. Maybe tomorrow you have plans to come in the morning. That's wonderful. But today matters. And just for today, I will seek God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, if you want to look at it with me, simply says this about seeking God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. That's central to our experience of what it means to please God. We have to understand that God is looking for us to seek Him. I love that scripture because it doesn't say he's a rewarder of those who find him. Many times I've sought God and didn't feel like I found him at all. I promise during these 21 days of prayer, there's going to be mornings where you don't feel like you found God. You're going to feel like, God, where's my bed at? God, where are my jammies? I want to go back to sleep. It's way too early. Or you're fasting and you think, God, I don't feel like I'm finding you at all. And I want to encourage somebody to let you know it's not about the finding. It's all about the seeking. Because the reward is not for the finder. The reward is for the seeker. Many times around this time of year, we focus on, God, these are the things I want from you. What would happen if this year we focused on, God, what are the things you want from me? When's the last time you asked God that? I was convicted as I was putting this message together because I already have a list of things I want God to do for me. And I said, okay, I haven't even one time asked you, what do you want from me this year? And I think he would say, I want you to seek me. That's what I want. I want you to prioritize me above anything else that you would seek in your life. I want you to seek me, and if you'll do that, I'll reward you. So I want to share with you a simple message today of three things God will reward you with if you seek him. And you find, and I could, you could call this message 10,000 things God will do if you seek him because it's endless. But I imagine you probably want to go home today. So I'm going to stick with three. And we find them right here in the book of Mark chapter 5 and verse 21. It's the story of a man named Jairus that had a situation with his daughter and he sought Jesus. And look what happens. This is so amazing to me. The Bible, I've read this story so many times, but God just gave me just a fresh insight. It says, when Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. And then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. This man had a situation, a problem with his daughter. He was so desperate that the moment he even heard that Jesus was coming, that he ran and he fell at his feet and began to worship him and he began to seek him. He had an impossibility. He had a need. He needed Jesus to come through in his life and he began to seek God. And I want you to watch what happens when this simple man, just like you and me, begins to seek after God. Verse 24 says, So Jesus went with him. I've read this chapter so many times and I don't think I've ever highlighted this idea that Jesus, when he was sought by this man, chose to leave what he was doing and to go with him. You know, there were crowds all around Jesus. 
There were people undoubtedly just everywhere trying to get to him. But when this one man sought him, he left everybody. He left the crowd and he went to him because this man was seeking after him. I want you to know, you may feel like you're in a crowd today. You may feel like, well, God doesn't have any time for me. I don't really, why would I seek him for my job issue? There's like kids, you know, getting, you know, in, in getting killed in Africa because, you know, they don't even, there's people that don't have anything to eat. God, why would you even care about me? You just feel like you're kind of one of the crowd. Why would I ask for something when you have so many other people around you? But I want you to know something about God. When you seek him, he will walk with you. When you seek Him, you're not going to be alone. But if you will seek after God, He's going to stop everything He's doing and He's going to attend to your need. And in this, I believe we see our first promise, our first reward of seeking God. And first, it's His presence. His presence. The presence of God. I promise during these 21 days as you seek after God, I promise the presence of God is going to be with you. You're never going to be alone. But He's going to be with you every step of the way. I can't describe the words. I can't, des- I can't describe it with words what it feels like to have the presence of God with you. It feels like in moments of worship, just like earlier, I feel like I, I sense that presence. I can't, it's so tangible. I can't even really describe what it is. But I want you to know, when you seek after God, He promises that you're not going to be alone. He's, you're going to find Him. Jeremiah 29, verse 13, I put it in your notes. It says, you will seek me and you'll find me. But there's a, there's a condition When you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back from captivity. I want to tell somebody, if you'll seek God with all your heart, you'll find Him. You'll find Him. You say, I don't feel like God's anywhere around me. Let's seek Him together. And I promise you're going to find Him. Let's read on. It says in verse 24, A large crowd followed and passed around Him, pressed around Him. So he's, He's going to attend to this man's need He says, and a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years and she suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. She'd spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she caught up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I can touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding was stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. And at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciple answered. In other words, like, duh, look at all the people around you. And yet, how can you ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. So on his way to touch the need of Jairus, to go with him to his daughter that was sick at the time, this other lady reached out to him in desperation again. And he just, he just can't help it. He can't help but heal because this lady reaches out to him with desperation. And the Bible says that it was so much so that he said, who, who touched me? Like what in the world's going on? She touched the hem of his clothes or the, kind of the edge of his garment. They, at that time, the rabbis would wear these uh, big prayer shawls that would have all these tassels on them that would represent the law of God. And, and, and he, she touched just the very edge of, of his garment. And when she did, she was immediately healed. And and it was just so powerful. I think it shows us how God is so attracted to desperation. I think, I think if we kind of have the attitude, well, if God shows up in the 2017, great. If he doesn't, you know, great. Uh, if everything, you know, if God kind of helps me with this, great. If he doesn't, you know, it'll be great. You know, I think God will kind of let you do your own thing. But if you'll be willing to say, okay, God, if you don't show up, it's over. 
God, if you're not here with me, then I tell you what, I just might as well let it be all done because it's only by your power and it's only by your strength. I have a need in my life that only you can help. And I'll say this, there's not a person in this room, I do not believe, that doesn't have some area of your life that unless God shows up, Unless there's a touch of heaven on your heart and on your family and on your situation, you can't make it alone. I want to tell you, all of us need to be desperate after God. We can't afford to go one more year, one more day, one more week, one more month without saying, God, I need you in my life. I'm tired of going through the motions and just playing church, God. I want to give you everything that I have. Desperation will always separate you from the crowd. You'll rarely find, follow the crowd into a place of seeking after God, to a place of being desperate. I was thinking, whenever I was growing up in church and God began to stir in my heart that I needed to serve Him and follow Him, felt called into the ministry, I would always sit with all the young people in the church, and the thing that, all, that we would all do in church, we'd pass notes, you know, we'd chew bubble gum, we would laugh, we'd make fun of you know, people that would say funny stuff in church. You know, we were, I were those kids, I was a church kid. You know? And then God began to get a hold of my heart, and, uh, and, and I was sitting with all my friends, and the Lord said, I want you to sit on the front row. So you're not distracted by everybody else around you. You know, you'd look and make fun of everybody. So why don't you kind of get up there where you're not making fun? I'm like, no, God, people think I'm stupid if I get out the, up there, you know, think I'm trying to be better than everybody or something. No, I'm not going to do that. And finally, I got on the front row, you know, it took me a couple weeks and, and uh, I felt like the Lord said, why don't you lift up your hands? I'm like, lift up my hands? No, I'm not, you're not going to do that. You know, and I felt so self-conscious just doing this, just lifting up my hands. And, or, or, or maybe the preacher is preaching and it was just like burning in my soul and I want to say, Amen. You know, and I'd just be like, I can't say that. You know, I'm afraid. Whatever was everybody going to think? You know, and 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 I just everything was so self conscious because I didn't feel like the crowd around me. I didn't feel like everybody else would understand if I would be desperate for God. But I want to tell you, one of the one of the most freeing things you'll ever experience in your walk with God is when you forget about people around you. I promise you. Because when I started standing up, I'd stand up. I'd stand up and clap. You know, like 500 people in the church, like, what is that kid doing standing up and clapping, you know? But something was in me that said, you know what? I don't care what everybody else thinks. And respectfully, it's not some trying to be cavalier, but it's no, God, I need God in my life. I need his presence. I need his power. I need to seek after him. And that's what 21 days of prayer and fasting is. It's, it's getting desperate after God. If you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always had. But if you'll do something a little bit desperate, if you'll pass, maybe you put the plate aside for a little bit, turn off the TV. I don't know what fasting looks like for you in this season, but seek God. Say, God, what do you want me to do? I promise he's not going to say, well, just do something easy, you know, do something to get by. If you seek after him, he'll draw you to a place of sacrifice. And I promise at that place of sacrifice, he'll change you. And that's what we're all looking for. I think that's why you came to church on a snowy day. Because you want God to be alive in your life. You don't want to just go through the motion and say, well, check, I went to church today. No, you want God's life in your home when you go home and in your work. And you want to, you at the end of life, you want to say, okay, I did this with God. Like, I'm walking with Him. I fulfilled the purpose that He had for my life. And I love the story of this lady, and I could preach about this lady all day. But I got thinking this week, what about Jarius during all this situation? He had a daughter that was sick. And I'm sure he thought, well, it's great this lady's getting, but she, she can, she, 12 years, you can deal with it 12 years in one day, you know? Just step aside, I got a need, you know? Just 
just chill out. You'll follow us along. After he does, heals me, he can heal you. But Jesus doesn't do it the way he thought. Isn't it so funny that when we seek God, Jesus doesn't always do things the way we thought he should or thought he would do them in our life? I think that's freeing. Maybe you're, you've been seeking God for a long time. It looks like he just forgot about you. In this passage, it looks like Jesus failed, honestly. Because the next passage says, um, I'll read on. It says, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth and said, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from the suffering. But watch this. It says, While Jesus was still speaking, some men came to the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, said, Your daughter's dead. They said, Why bother bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just believe. It looks like Jesus failed, honestly. He went to go heal, he was on his way to heal somebody, and the person died. Like, good job, Jesus, you totally failed. I'm sure that's what Jairus thought. Could you imagine all of the things going through his mind? This Jesus isn't even real. Look at me, I should have been by her side. I should have left earlier. I should have reached out for help before I did. I'm a failure as a dad. Look at all the mistakes that I've made. I'm sure all of these things were just coming at Jairus in his mind. I'm such a failure. God's a fa- Everything's a failure in life. I don't know, my daughter is dead. And at that moment, we see the second reward of seeking God. And that's His voice. His voice. When you seek God, God will speak to you. Because Jesus looked at this man that was distraught because his daughter had died and said, don't be afraid, just believe. Could you you just imagine with me in that moment? Everything in him was afraid. Everything in him didn't understand God or himself or his situation. Everything in him looked helpless. But in that moment, the voice of God comes into his ears and says, just believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. I want you to know whenever you seek after God, it doesn't mean He's going to do everything the way you want Him to do it. It doesn't mean you're going to understand everything that He, that he does. But I promise, He's going to speak to you. And He's going to tell you the same thing He told this man. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. You just keep on trusting. You just keep on believing. You just keep on seeking. You just keep on asking. The voice of God. I'll tell you what in life... That's really all we have. There are moments in my life that all I have is a calling from God. And that's it. Period. Because what I'm doing feels naturally stupid. Feels like I'm a failure and God's a failure. And I think, God, how in the world does any of this make sense? But at the end of the day, when you have a word from God in your mind, you can go to bed at night and say, God, let every man be a liar, but let your word be true. See, it's the Word of God that we have to base our life around. If we base it on our circumstances and our terrible, horrible, no good, very bad days, I promise our life's going to be like a roller coaster. But if we'll get a Word from God for 2017, I tell you, there's moments where that's all I hang on to. Moments I don't understand. I say, God, thank you. You spoke to me. And in times of prayer and fasting, God's spoken to me things that I hold on to this day. That's what I want to challenge us to do. And that's the reward that God gives us. Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door. I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's as if Jesus' power is available. But it's behind some barriers. We have to open some doors. But we can't open the right door until we hear the right voice. 
That's why we need to seek God. That's why we need times of fasting and prayer. That's why we need 21 days. Because you know what? We need to get some noise out of our life so we can hear his voice, hear his knock. Love Joanna's story. She said, I didn't have all the answers. She wasn't coming in here praying eloquent prayers. She was just saying, God, help me, help me, help me. And what was happening? God was knocking and giving her strength. I love this. Let's read on, get to the third promise that he gives us. So he goes on. He says, he did not tell everyone to follow him except Peter. James and, James and John, the brother of James. So I'm sure they were like, nah, 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 we're going and you're not. It says, when they came to the home of the synagogue ruler, so they went to Jer- Jerry's house, Jesus saw the commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? <laughs> the child's not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Ka'um. Could you say that with me? That sounds cool. Talitha Ka'um. Which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. Here's the third Reward of seeking God, his touch. His touch. See, the touch of God changes everything. The touch of God can change a stick into something that can part the Red Sea. The touch of God can take one smooth stone and make it be a giant killer. The touch of God can put a rocky marriage on solid ground. The touch of God can take a wayward child and turn them into a faithful believer. Cut touch of God can take an entry-level job and turn into generational blessings. The touch of God can turn barrenness into overflow. See, even Jesus said it. He says, with man, this is impossible. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. When you seek after God... He may not do things the way you thought he was going to do them or the way he was going to do them. But when you seek after God, I promise, you're going to experience his presence. You're going to experience his voice. You're going to experience his touch. And when he touches your life, it'll change you forever. That's why we seek after God. That's why we realize today matters. And you're going to wake up today, like right now, where we are. Today matters. This moment matters. I just want to give, I don't want to leave you just inspired. I want to give you some practical things before we leave here today. So because today matters, now is the time. We need to be diligent. Be diligent. That's what the writer of Hebrews says. Those who earnestly seek him. So earnest or diligence. In other words, it's intentional. I want to challenge you to make up your mind today how you are going to intentionally seek God for the next month. Or let's take it down. How you're going to intentionally seek God today. How are you going to be intentional in seeking God? Make a plan. Get some accountability. Find somebody here this morning and say, you know what? You're going to be there tomorrow. I'm going to be there tomorrow. If I'm not here, you call me and wake me up, you know. Be diligent about it. Don't just say, well, if I feel good tomorrow, I'll do it. I, I, I did this um, years ago whenever I was still in high school and God was stirring in my heart. I'd go to this 
church before I would go to school in the morning. And I would pray, and then I would go to school. And, and I, was, I felt like God was waking me up, honestly. I felt like I was just so energized and excited. And it happened for a few days, and I remember telling my pastor, Pastor, you're never going to believe it. God's been waking me up and telling me to come pray. You know, I felt so important, you know. And he looked at me and said, Son, set your alarm clock. I was like, what do you mean set my alarm clock? It's God telling me to come wake up. No. He said, no, set your alarm clock. And was he right? Because inspiration does not last very long. Because a couple of days later, it got cold, and I wanted to snuggle up in those sheets and not get up. So set your alarm clock. That was wise advice. Be diligent. Make a decision what you're going to do. Be diligent when it comes to your fasting. Go online. Uh, 21 days of prayer. I mean, cityhills.com forward slash 21 days. Um, that's an app. Or also, it, you should have received a book. Did you get a book whenever you came in? Yeah, if you didn't, please get one before you leave. That web address is all over that book. Yeah, yeah, thank you. On every, on every page, that web address is there at the bottom. Cityhills.com forward slash 21 days. It has all kinds of information about fasting on there. There's recipes. There's, I mean, all kinds of stuff about fasting. How to teach your kids about fasting. All those kind of things. I mean, just all kinds of information. But... Plan, prepare as a family, as an individual, with your small group, with your friends. Prepare what you're going to do. That's why we have these books. Every day is a different thing. We want to be diligent. We want to be prepared. We don't want to just say, well, if we pray for it, we pray for it. No, we want to pray for our city. We want to pray for our nation. We want to pray for these things. So we, we're diligent about it. Thanks so much. So be diligent. Here's the second thing. Be desperate. Be desperate. Be desperate in fasting. Do something you've never done. Be desperate in worship. If normally you give God a one of these, for his 21 days, give him one of these, you know? Normally you carry the TV. You know, you see that? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. Then my fish was this big, right? Then you go, touchdown, right? <laughs> give God a touchdown. Do something a little bit out of your comfort zone and be a little bit desperate. Find that point of desperation and say, you know what, God, I don't care about what anybody else thinks. I'm going to be desperate in my worship. I'm going to be desperate in my sacrifice. I'm going to be desperate in my giving. Make a decision. I'm going to be a tither during this season. God, every part of me, this first of the year, I'm going to get it right. I'm going to seek you with my money. I'm going to seek you with my talent. I'm going to seek you with everything that I have. And here's the last thing, and I'll be done today. Be present. Be present. In other words, today matters. Be here. Be in this moment. Matthew chapter 6, this is the verse I learned in the King James as a kid. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Here it is in the message. Steep your life in God reality. God initiative. God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Verse 34, and this is what this... We're going to talk more about this in weeks to come. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Isn't that good? Put your full attention on what God is doing right now. And that's what I want you to do right here in this moment. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Take your full attention. Forget about where you're going to go to lunch. Forget about what's happening tomorrow. Put your full attention on what God's doing right now. This moment. God, what are you saying to me right now? What are you speaking to me right now through this message, through this series? What are you saying to me, God? Maybe what God's saying to you right now is it's time to surrender. It's time to surrender your life to Him. It's time to give your life to Jesus Christ. This year, it's time to start fresh and start new. And if that's you, 
and you want to give your life fresh, there's something in your life you say, now's the time. I'm ready to seek God like never before. Let me see your hand. No one's looking around just as a moment of response. Awesome. Hands all over the place. I want to pray with you if that's you. Simply pray, Jesus, I need you. I give my life to you today. Tired of doing things my own way. I'm going to seek you with all my heart. Forgive me. Fill me with your spirit. Right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.